Greetings, I'm Keith Klein, the host of the Venture Fizz podcast, where I interview the most fascinating people in the tech scene. This is episode 124, and today's guest is Steven Sokolar, founder and CEO of Journey Meditation. I have to admit, I don't have a history of meditating. Even though I understand the benefits and have seen the growth in terms of its increasing popularity, I just haven't taken the leap yet. However, as you'll hear from this podcast, I feel like it's probably time. And like the analogy Steven shares, it's kind of like going to the gym. You just need to get started and hopefully build from there. So who knows, maybe we'll do another podcast a year from now where I can discuss my experiences with meditation. Well, Stephen is a serial entrepreneur with several years of experience founding, building, and running companies. His latest company, Journey Meditation, is building the world's largest, most supportive, inclusive meditation community, both online and off. Journey's history has B2B roots, but the company recently announced its consumer product called Journey Live, a group meditation app, which TechCrunch referred to it as the Peloton for Meditation. In this episode of our podcast, we cover lots of great topics, like why meditation is so valuable for entrepreneurs and how to get started, Stephen's background story and his experience building successful businesses, how he got into meditation and how it was the inspiration that led him to start Journey, all the details behind getting the business started with corporate customers and the launch of Journey Live, the benefits of group meditation, growth plans for the company, and so much more. Okay, quick side note, our job board has over 4,300 positions listed across all functional areas, and we just went through a major redesign of the job listings. It is a much cleaner design, and you'll find highly relevant information on each listing like employee testimonials, photos, video, and the latest story featured from VentureFizz. This way, you can learn a lot more about the company and its culture directly from each job listing. Go to VentureFizz.com backslash jobs to check it out. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Steven. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's an exciting topic that we're going to talk about, uh, meditation, which you definitely are hearing a lot more about, or at least I've been hearing a lot more about over the past few years. And it's uh, I got to be honest, it's not something that I do, but I uh, have talked to lots of entrepreneurs that do meditate. So I was just wondering if... Um, I'd love to know the details in terms of, you know, for entrepreneurs that are out there, they're building companies, they're running a thousand different directions, working really hard to build a startup. How can meditation actually help bring maybe balance to their lives? Yeah, for, for exactly that. It, it helps to provide you with that balance. It helps you when it comes to stress, stress at work, stress at home. Um, my favorite definition of meditation is the Tibetan word gom, G-O-M, which means to become familiar with. And so people, people often think of meditation as a way of calming down and being less stressed, which it is. But it also helps you make better decisions, helps you understand yourself better, helps you communicate more uh, precisely and compassionately and thoughtfully. Um, it just makes you a better human, both at work and at home. So it's, it's incredibly helpful. And the, the last thing I'll add on this is the speed at which entrepreneurs need to operate it continues to increase and having tools to help you stay mentally and emotionally balanced uh, is, is really important, really important to show up every day as the best version of you for yourself, your colleagues and, and others. Now I've heard like, like some entrepreneurs even take like 10 minutes out of their day just to meditate. So is that, is that effective too? Like, cause when I think of meditation, it's probably like getting to a point of like, you know, just like you mentioned before, it's not always about being calm, but that's how I relate to it. It's like being calm and kind of getting to that mental state where you can finally meditate. But like, so how do you advise, you know, the busy go, go 
you know, people that are trying to build companies to just take even a few minutes out. Yeah. 10 minutes is fine. If you have eight minutes, that's fine. If you have five minutes, that's fine. People ask about like, what's the minimum viable, you know, dose that I can take? <laughs> minimum viable. Water is great too. You know, think of it like exercise, right? If I was to tell you, go jog for 20 minutes, you'd be like, okay, that's a good workout. If you were to say, I jog for 40, sure. Can you jog for five? Sure. I mean, even depending on where you are, even just taking a few steps can start to make it. So much more about consistency than intensity, right? So doing it every day for, like you said, 10 minutes can be fantastic. Uh, there's a wonderful book called Altered Traits, um, obviously the play on, on altered states. And people often think about meditation as some place. You have to be really zen. You have to levitate. Um, I think of meditation, and I like to tell people, it's about bringing awareness to what is, right? So you might sit for 10 minutes, and you might come to and say, wow, that was so serene, that was so beautiful. Or it might be, I was just really frustrated the whole time, I was really annoyed, and you know what? That's okay, too. So at the end of when I guide meditations, I ask people to just notice what they're feeling in that moment, not judge good, bad, just notice what is so to go back to your question, 10 minutes can make all the difference in the world and put aside that whole subjective experience of what should be. Got it. I, I could have definitely used a, um, some meditation this morning after I brought uh, my car in to get serviced. And like, that always just sends me for a loop. Um, <laughs> you know, meditation can be really helpful in those moments, um, but it's really more a preventative tool, right? Mm. It's not, oh my God, I'm so stressed. Yeah. It's let me meditate so I don't get so stressed, right? Again, exercise, a great comparison. Let me stay yeah. fit so that I don't put on a lot of weight and have issues and have bad knees versus mm -hmm. now that I have these problems, now I'll first start exercising. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, let's rewind the clock because, um, you know, based on what, what I learned about you in preparation for this podcast is entrepreneurship didn't just happen to start a company with, with journey. Like this is kind of like your DNA from the earliest days. It seemed like, so talk about you as a child. And when you start, started really, you know, thinking about being an entrepreneur. Sure. Yeah. Good memories. Um, so I grew up in Queens, um, was always coming up with different businesses or schemes or ways to make a quick buck, some kind of hustle. Um, when I was little, I used to, uh, shovel snow. And then at some point I said, Oh, I think there's a better way of doing this. So my brother and I, my little brother and I passed out little flyers in the neighborhood. Um, it was called Steve Snow Removal. And uh, we had we hired some of the other kids to help us shovel, and my mom would take the call. So basically all the neighbors would call us. We would then have, you know, I would go out and the team would go out and we'd shovel and we'd get paid and, you know, we'd make a little bit of money on all that. So that's awesome. I don't think kids do that as much anymore. And it's, it's disappointing whether it's, you know, mowing the lawn, like the snow, like you created this in theory company where you were, you know, you were like the, the, the head of snow removal, yet you had your workers doing the hard labor for you, yet you were collecting all the profits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny to look back on. And then there was always all the, all the traditional kids, all traditional things that kids do, um, at least back in the day, like baseball cards and comic books and buying and selling them. And so I was always doing that, uh, selling sodas. There was a, uh, there was a competition in my Hebrew school and every year I won and set the school record and would break my own record for five consecutive years selling like literally hundreds of candy bars. So I was just very 
into that sort of stuff. And then uh, come college, started a few companies, uh, and post-college uh, launched my, my actual career, which I'm, of course, happy to tell you about. So, so why did you decide to go to NYU? I wanted to go to a warm weather sports school, and somehow I ended up at NYU. <laughs> you no know, football team, we're D3. Um, basically, I went and visited a number of universities. And when I went to visit NYU, I wasn't, it was basically a safe school. I went there and I was like, wow, this just feels right. This feels like home. And they gave me a really generous package to go to Stern, to go to the business school. It included this scholars group with international travel and all types of things. And so I said, okay, let's give this a try. Awesome. Now you won a Founders Day Award. So again, going back to those entrepreneurial roots, what, what was that all about? Yeah, we, we had a bunch of different competitions uh, at the school. And so we won, friends and I won a number of them, including this Founders Day Award for coming up with a, a creative uh, new business. Got it. Okay. Now coming out of school, uh, you got into this industry that uh, I had to learn a little bit about because I didn't know this was a whole thing that, that you could build. I mean, you built you know large, large company doing this. So walk us through kind of what you did after school and the different you know companies that you were a part of and how you eventually built you know a very large one. Sure. So um, at a school, I joined a company called the Award Group, and the Award Group was helping organizations celebrate and inspire their employees, and. I joined to run their nonprofit division, which was helping nonprofits and associations to raise more money from their donors or members by recognizing them, by celebrating them. Um, but I started to get requests from my Stern, the, the business school I went to, the undergraduate business school, uh, from my friends there asking if we could do these other types of awards that are called deal toys or tombstones or lucites, which are the gifts that investment banks give to their clients when they commemorate a financial transaction. They give it to their clients, they give it to the internal team, the lawyers, accountants, to celebrate the deal. And so I said, sure, we could do that. And so we started doing that, and the timing was very good, and we were just very good at it. So that grew fairly quickly and uh, became the largest division in the company. And a few years later, I ended up purchasing that division in a management buyout. So that was October 2007, peak of the stock market. No one knew it at the time, but... Uh, <laughs> of us doing about three and a half million in revenue. And so we spun it off to become a separate company. Uh, of course, the market gave out uh, pretty quickly thereafter, but we cut costs fairly quickly and that positioned us well. We ended up consolidating the industry. So we rolled up the second, third, and fourth larger companies in the States along with a few independent. And then when the market came back, we opened offices in London, Sydney, Hong Kong, and Montreal. And it was I actually moved to Sydney to open that office, which is where uh, where the start of the journey meditation story uh, begins. But anyway, ended up selling that business in 2014, and at the time we were doing over 20 million in revenue, had 80 employees globally, and about a 35 percent market share. So small company, but but big within the space that we were in. Yeah. And so now I know when I walk into a, a VC firm or private equity, uh, all those nice deals that they have hanging on the wall. I know where those came from. Yeah, you have us to blame. <laughs> now, what did that experience teach you? Cause I did definitely hone in on the 2007, 2008 timeframe when, you know, everything was just a financial collapse across all industries. So I'm sure not only did you have to trim costs, but you had to figure out how do we just continue to generate revenue? Cause these deals probably weren't happening as frequently. That's right. They weren't. Um, I was fortunate. I had a, a very good CFO who was 
um, familiar with these types of environments before. And so he read the market. We read the market different than some of our competitors. We thought that it was similar to other downturns, and we recognized it wasn't. Um, I did this one business for 12 years, which is a very long time to do one thing. And so from 2002 to 2007, it was this, this growth mode. And then from 2008 to 2011 was the downturn and then consolidating all these companies and figuring out how to make the culture work and how to make the people work together. And then strategically, what do we do? Because how does this market, what does this market look like in the new world? You know, it's easy now that the Dow is up and, you know, the economy is great again, but back then it was really uncertain. Um, so we didn't even know if this industry was going to exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and then once we saw that it was, then we found these opportunities to expand internationally to all those other offices. So there was the global expansion before then telling. So, so lots of different chapters in that, in that book or in that story. Yeah, and there's lots of success stories that came out of that era of the 2008 downturn, where um, you know you managed or you and your CFO did a great job managing the business. Some of your competition didn't, and that allowed opportunity for you to consolidate and build a bigger business that you know you had started. So, um, you know, lots of great companies have you know they're now going you know public uh, that were started in that era. So. Now you gave a little glimpse of journey meditation. So let's talk about the origin of, of, you know, how that all came to be after you, after you sold your company. Sure. So it actually started before that. It started when I moved to Australia. So I was living in Sydney. It was the first time that I had lived outside of New York. I studied uh, in Madrid while in college, but this was the first time post-college I had ever lived anywhere else. And so I was living on the beach in Australia. If you've never been, it is absolutely incredible. Sounds amazing. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> And I just had a lot of space, um, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, you know, the business was somewhere else. The business was here in New York. And so um, it was just different, different pace, different life. And I found a book on Buddhism. It was called Buddhism for Busy People. It's a funny name, but it's a story of a regular dude who finds meditation and finds Buddhism, and it's really transformative for him. And uh, same is true for me. I, I read the book and I was like, yeah, this is, this is legit. This is good stuff. And so started practicing and it was very, very helpful for me. Going back to your earlier question, it was helpful in dealing with my colleagues. It was helpful in dealing with investors and partners. And then on a personal front, it was helpful for dating. It was helpful for my relationship with family. Um, it was helpful for my relationship with myself. And so had no professional aspirations with it at all. It's the same way. Uh, you or I might exercise. It was just a thing that, that I did. And then fast forward, I moved back to New York a few years later, sell the company, had no idea what I wanted to do, but pretty quickly realized I wanted to do something that mattered. I wanted to help people. And I explored, or I did a deep dive into a few different spaces, which I'm happy to tell you about. But uh, obviously the one that I settled on was meditation because I thought that it was pretty misunderstood as religious, difficult, spiritual, confusing. And I thought we could bring it to people in a really simple, approachable, secular, science-based way and really meet people where they are physically, emotionally, financially. Um, I thought we had the opportunity to both build a really big, successful business and also do something that mattered and really changed life. And both of those things were, were important to me. So, so how did you get started? Like, it just seems like a, like, okay, I, I want to do something meaningful and meditation has made, you know, drastic changes to your own personal life. how did you like start to figure out, okay, I can build a business around this. So I did a lot of research. 
So it was really important for me to understand what was out there. So I went to every place in New York. I flew to LA in one place. I flew internationally in one place. I read a ton of books. And I just started talking to people. I contributed to lots of teachers. I mean, one of the great things about meditation, it's also one of the, the reasons meditation is not as, as big as it could be, is, well, let me say it differently. One of the great things about meditation is the best teachers in the world are very accessible. Um, so you can go on retreat with somebody like Jack Hornfield or Sharon Salzberg, real amazing people, like amazing teachers, and just sit with them and be in their presence and learn from them. And so I was able to build relationships with teachers and organizations to understand what was out there to make sure that we were doing something that really not only mattered, but was unique. Um, and what I found was that there were lots of places for people to go deep. There were lots of retreat centers. There were incredible teachers. And I said, okay, that, that's sort of filled. Where, where would my brother go? My brother who uh, works at a hedge fund, where would my mom go? My mom's a school teacher. Uh, she lives in Queens where I grew up. Like, they're not going to go on retreat on a 10 day silent retreat. They're not going to go to Omega. And uh, these are amazing places. I mean, I, I love this stuff and, and, you know, I would certainly recommend it, but what's the entryway? What's the first step? How do we get people on the path? And that's where I thought there was a real opportunity for us to, to do something. So it started out with, with research. And then I ended up meeting uh, a man who soon became my partner, um, David Nichter, who's our chief meditation officer. He's been teaching for 40 years. He's just an incredible human. He's also won uh, Emmys and I think he's won a Tony and was nominated for a few Grammys. Um, a, the kind of meditation teacher by day and, and musical composer and musician by night. So like he's someone who lives in the real world and is very relevant, but is also deeply, deeply studied. And so uh, he helped us in terms of building out a lot of the content and programming that we then went out into the world to, to share. Wow. What an amazing partner to, to, to connect with and build a great foundation for a business. So, so at first you started out, um, with more of, you know, bringing this meditation to, to companies, right. More of the, you know, selling to companies direct versus the consumer model. Right. Yeah. For us, we said, you know, I had come from the corporate world. And so I knew that that was a place where number one, there was a lot of need, right. Corporations are stressful. Obviously, I don't need to explain that to anyone. And uh, number two, that was the world that I'd come from. So I knew how to speak to those folks, and they knew me. We had relationships. And so our first client was Warby Parker. Our second was Time Warner. We've gone on to work with companies like Facebook, Nike, Disney, and Google, but also Harlem Children's Zone, which is a charter school in Harlem, excuse me, the Anti-Defamation League, the Hospital for Special Surgery, so really wide variety of clients, always teaching groups and always teaching in real. And was it like, were you seeking, you know, kind of the early adopters of what you were doing? Was it companies that already had kind of a, like a wellness program in place and this was like a, a natural fit for them? Or is it educating them that they need to create more of a wellness program and this would be of benefit to the employees? A little bit of both. You know, some companies are hip to it, um, to the idea of wellness. Some companies pay lip service to it. They say wellness is important, but then they give tiny budgets. And other companies have, like, real deep commitments to it. Um, now, meditation, wellness being, you know, one thing, but meditation, a whole other story, right? Four years ago, people weren't, you know, Headspace wasn't as big as it is now. Calm wasn't as big. You didn't see meditation everywhere on TV the way you do now. And so, um, 
there may have been a small wellness budget, but then how do we talk about where meditation fits in there? And we teach a lot of law firms. We teach actually, I think something like 12 of the top 20 law firms globally. And, uh, you know, to think about a bunch of lawyers going and sitting and meditating together was kind of unheard of four years ago. And now, uh, we built it out and we, we think about it now, the way we talk about it when we, when we approach organizations is a stress management and mental well-being program. And it's basically a way similar to physical fitness, a way for you to help your employees stay mentally, uh, and emotionally balanced kind of to the conversation we were having right at the start. Got it. Now the evolution of the business. So now it is, you know, more, um, it's, it, it includes more of a consumer facing element too, with, um, with journey live. So talk more about with that and, and what that's all about. Yeah. So we still have the B2B business. That's super important. Um, we're in 20 cities. We launched London and Toronto. So we're now outside of the U S as well. Um, and what we noticed was there's real magic. There's real power when people come together in a group. Um, and that's, that's obviously not surprising because there's things like group fitness and, and lots of other things where people come together and having human beings doing the same thing together um, can, be, can be really impactful. And so we said, how do we scale this using technology? And when we looked at all the technology offerings, many of them are great. The challenges, they're all the same in two key ways. The first is uh, they're recordings. So you're listening to something that's in the back. And the second is it's single player. So you're plugging in your headphones and you're doing it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And for thousands of years, meditation has been practiced in communities. It's something that we've done with a teacher, with fellow meditators, having the support and accountability and connection that comes from a group. And so we said, hmm, is there an opportunity to build, and we thought there was, the first live group meditation app? And it went against a lot of the sort of things that were out there. So all of them are audio uh, at the time. Now we have video, we have live teachers. You can ask a question, you can interact. You and I could meditate together. There was just a class that finished at 3 p.m. here on the, the East Coast. There'll be another one later tonight. Um, I can do that with, I mentioned my mom who's in Queens. I can do it with my friends who live in Sydney. Um, you can ask questions. You can just make a comment. Hey, that was hard for me. Ah, John said that was hard for him. I'm so appreciate you sharing that or could say, Keith, three days in a row, keep up the great work. So a much more immersive, interactive experience. And we thought that there was a, a real opportunity there. Um, so we set out to raise a bunch of money, which we did. And we brought in the tech team, built the team, built the product, and then launched it to the world uh, three months ago yesterday. That's exciting. And, and, you know, you, you got a great story in TechCrunch, which they use the analogy of Peloton for meditation, which what a great analogy, right? Like, because, you know, that company's done so well because you have these live classes and people feel like they're part of a community where they're all you know working hard together versus just, you know, being on a bike, just alone with some recorded instructor. Exactly. I mean, the thing about all of these things, whether it's diet or exercise or meditation is th they work, right? Like there, there's not a question about their efficacy. It's a question of, are you going to come back the next day? Are you going to come back the day after that? So I lost 85 pounds. You can probably tell from my face, like I am not heavy anymore. Um, but for a lot of my life I was. And when people say, what did you do? Like, what was the diet? They want to hear like it was keto or it was this it had nothing to do with what I ate all had to do with the support and accountability that came from a group that came from having someone who I checked in with someone who cared about me. And it's the same thing, you know, with, when you look at studies, 
like in the, in the clinical studies, group results are just better. And so for meditation, it's the, it's the same thing. You know, if you're doing it with other people, you're going to come back more often. You're going to get more support. You're going to have your questions answered. And that's where we see our community members sharing really powerful experiences of, of transformation. Now, how did you go out, go about building out the, the, uh, the, the teachers on the platform so that the actual you know, individuals that are, are teaching the classes are providing the meditation? We were really fortunate in, in a few ways. The first is because we've been doing this for four years, we have a ton of relationships. Um, we have over, over 60 teachers on the B2B, on the corporate side of the business. Um, so we're, we, we have some relationships. Second is we have built a decent reputation in the space for doing high-quality, authentic work and bringing meditation to people in a very simple, approachable, secular way. Um, now, when it came to this product, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to find a really, really diverse group of teachers with uh, different personalities, different looks, different styles, different walks of life. Um, we committed to representation, and so we wanted our teacher base to community that we're serving. So we have over 50% teachers of color. We have people who are younger and haven't been teaching as long, but still deeply studied and, and, and you know, experienced teachers. And we also have people who have been teaching, like David, I mentioned, been teaching for 40 years, longer. Well, I guess I'm 40 now, close to as long as I've, I've, I've been alive. Um, and so uh, so for us, that's that's one of the things that actually gives me the, the most joy. We had a meeting yesterday here in New York with some of the teachers who were here. We also had people uh, phone in because we have teachers that, that are not based in New York. And just the personalities and diversity and I mean, you check out the app, it's, we have one teacher who's a veteran who's done work with PTSD and trauma. We have another teacher who's a, a Buddhist meditation teacher. Everything we teach is secular, but that's his lineage and roots. We have another teacher, uh, she's, she teaches all of us, she's a mindful parent, she's a former investment banker and a corporate litigator. So really wide variety of, of teachers. I mean, if you go on there, you're going to find someone that resonates with you and speaks to you. No. So how does it work? Uh, so if I sign up, you can sign up for a free seven day trial. And then like, what's the, the pricing beyond that? It's 20 bucks a month, a hundred dollars for a year. And if you say, I can't afford it, we totally understand. We give you access to daily journey, which is a recording that takes place every morning. So the idea being, let's say you can't make Tiffany's 9am class or Hector's 10pm class. We have this recording available to you but it lasts for 24 hours and it's recorded that morning. So today, mm -hmm. happy Friday. Great to see you guys, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day it would be a Saturday meditation. Um, so we give that, if you can't afford the $20 a month or the hundred dollars a year, we give that to you for free uh, for as long as you'd like to use it. So what's the current state of your business? Uh, you had mentioned, you know, you raise capital. So how much have you raised? Um, you know, how many employees do you have? And you have this great model where you have both the B2B and now consumer coverage. So any other details that you can share? Sure, of course. So I had self-funded the company before I, I had any idea if this was a good idea. I was like, before I raise money, let me, let me play with it. Um, then I thought it was. So I raised the small friends and family round. And then in June of last year, we raised $2.4 million in a seed round. Uh, led by Canaan Partners, along with Brooklyn Bridge Ventures and BDMI, uh, Betaworks, and, and, a, and a host of others. And uh, that allowed us to build the team. At the time, we were three people, myself and two others, working out of my apartment. Uh, and now we have 14 full-time people. We have this really wonderful office that we moved into about two months ago. 
Uh, the team continues to grow. So it's been, it's been quite the change going from in September, there were three of us and we were working in my apartment to now 14 uh, with this beautiful office and continuing to grow. We're, we're continuing to hire. And um, on the B2B side of the business, all the teachers are, are independent contractors. They have lots of things that they do. So that's, that's not included in the, in the 14 that I mentioned. Sure. Now I'm always fascinated with, um, you know, bringing a consumer product to market. So, so what's like, like, how are you going to go about, you know, getting consumers? Like there's so many apps in the app store and it's just like, how do you, uh, you know, ultimately get found and start to scale that consumer business? Like what's, what's your plan there? Are there any unique, uh, channels that have been effective? I'm going to do podcasts 24 seven. <laughs> That's a great strategy. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, right now it's early. So we're trying a whole host of things. So um, we just hired a head of growth who started two weeks ago. And so he's exploring a lot of the paid channels, Facebook, Instagram, we're doing SEO stuff. We're doing app store optimization. Um, we're sending it through the corporate channel. So going back to the B2B business, the way the program works is there's four parts. So there's a weekly 30 minute class. There's access to journey live. There's business impact metrics. You can see the success of the program. And then there's a customized communication strategy, email, copy posters, et cetera, to drive engagement. So the app uh, also runs through that channel. Then we have partnerships. So talking to NYU and Columbia, um, talk to a whole host of, of other great partners. Then of course there's PR, uh, things like this podcast are, are a great opportunity to connect and tell the story. Um, I spoke this morning at a thing called founders Friday here in New York to share the story. So we're really trying a lot of things to see what's going to, what's going to stick. We're also talking to a bunch of airlines. So the journey live content will be in the, in the back of, of, of actually several hundred uh, planes pretty soon. So that's exciting. So just, just a variety of channels and, and seeing what works. That's awesome. That's a great idea with the airlines. Now for uh, entrepreneurs that have built a successful business that is, um, you know, that like, like, like your business that, you know, you were providing meditation offerings to businesses, but now you're almost productizing it to a technology platform uh, that is journey live. What advice would you give to other founders that are trying to build a, you know, more of a, a sustainable piece of technology and not necessarily having that experience? Like, how do you know who to hire to start to build that? And how do you know what to build that on and what technical challenges, like, you know, would you try, try at all costs for other founders to avoid? I got very lucky. Um, I never really thought much of the sort of adage, like it's not what you know, it's who, you know, um, but I, I've, I've learned over the last few years that, that it's actually quite true. Uh, for me, I know, I know next to nothing about technology and it's funny being a technology entrepreneur and raising money through the venture community. I think the nice thing is I'm old enough and I don't want to call myself wise enough, but, but I know what I know and I know what I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, with this business, there's a lot that I don't know in particular on the technology side. Um, and so having that self-awareness allows me to bring in people who really have done this before and have spent, you know, while I spent my life working on culture and building businesses and strategy and some of those things, they've spent their, their lives, their professional lives, building early stage consumer mobile apps. Um, so for me, it was, I was fortunate. I went to my network and continued to speak to people and say, this is what I'm building. This is the vision. This is how we want to change the world. This is what we're looking for. And uh, 
had some very supportive investors and partners and friends who shared this through their social and through a variety of channels, and then just got introduced to a great team of people. We, we hired a head of marketing, a head of product, a head of engineering, and a head of sales all around the same time. And each one of them was far more experienced than I ever would have thought we would have at CCAD. And so I got very lucky, like people that I can just turn the keys of their particular kingdom over to them and say, I'm here to create the environment so that you can show up in the best way and do the best work, but really, you know, putting a lot of, a lot of trust in them. So I, I got, I got lucky in that I, I was able to recruit, um, get introduced to and then recruit incredibly talented people. Now, what about like evaluating people to join your team? Because it was, you know, a, a small team, just, you know, would you say it's three people for, for a while? You know, so, so you were like, okay, now we need to hire a head of, you know, technology marketing. And so what's um, like, how did you evaluate the talents, make sure that they were going to be a fit at the stage of your company and know that you could hand over the keys and let, let that person run with it? That's a good question. This, this, this goes back to where I started in terms of knowing what you know, knowing what you don't know. I had never hired well, I've, I've hired heads of sales, so I felt very comfortable there, but I had never hired a head of product or a head of engineering. And so I went to my investors and said, who are the best product people you know? Who are the best technologists? And so I picked those people, and depending on who I vibe with and who I can I'd love to have you as an advisor. I'd love to have you handle the technical interviews. I had to speak to culture, about vision, about mission, about what's the environment where they really thrive. But like, for me to assess, even now, between three different heads of engineering or three different heads of product, it's just not, I just haven't seen enough. You know, I don't, there isn't pattern recognition there because I haven't done it enough times. But going to somebody who's built five startups and worked with 10 different heads of engineering, um, you know, uh, that, that's helpful. I also worked with a recruiter who's placed a lot of people in these roles. And so that was very helpful in filtering out a lot of people from the start. And then, and then using technical advisors to help where appropriate. And you are continuing to grow the team. So what, what are you currently hiring for now? Hiring for a senior product manager. So if you're out there, <laughs> uh, yeah, we need a senior PM to, uh, to come in and, and take, take over a big, uh, a big chunk of the product. We have a lot of things that we're building. We're really excited about where the platform is now. And the, the next few product sprints are going to be really, really um, game-changing for us in terms of introducing video on-demand content, in terms of making the classes much more interactive. Right now, you can but you can't message other people once the class has started. So one, the new version, you and I can message each other in the class. Other people can see it. And of course, if you don't want that experience, you can, you can that box will drop down. But if you want to chat and engage, we have that. That's something that community members have been asking for. I was very hesitant at first meditation, right? It's not supposed to be too stimulating, too exciting, but community, people want to connect. I mean, that's like the bottom line. People are out there and they want to be able to connect to like-minded people. So going back to your question, senior PM, we could use one. Excellent. It's, it's a really cool product to work on. So uh, I'm sure in due time, you'll have lots of uh, uh, people to select from and, and hire that well-trained senior PM. Better to get you meditating. Well, so, so, you know, it is something I need to do. Like I, I definitely, you know, hear enough about it. I talk to enough founders about it. Um, I think it's just a matter of, like you said, like exercising is the perfect analogy of, you know, if you want this, you know, you just maybe start off small. Like we started the conversation talking about, and then eventually, you know, 
build from there. So, um, it's definitely something that I need to just, uh, take, take the dive, you know, jump in the pool and start doing it this way. The body needs movement and the mind needs fullness. And, you know, once you realize that, even if it's to your earlier question, five minutes, just sit for five minutes, maybe terrible might fly by, might be beautifully Zen, whatever it is, it's totally fine. And then do it the next day. And over time, you start to notice subtle but significant changes. It's really powerful. I mean, that's why it's existed for literally thousands of years in all different communities all over the world. Well, I'm a believer. And uh, maybe in a year from now, we can do a follow-up podcast. And I'll be like, Stephen, thank you for that podcast because it totally changed. Like, I'm a pretty level-headed person. I don't, like, get emotional about many things. It takes a lot. Except my car dealership that likes to... Every time I take that car in, man, they just love to rake me over the coals. Oh, man. Anyways, that's a whole different discussion. Uh, well, Stephen, thanks so much for taking the time for walking us through your background, all the great things you're up to with Journey, and uh, all the great advice for entrepreneurs to follow. Oh, it's my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. And uh, happy to answer any more questions if you have or any of, the, any, of the, any of the folks watching at home. Always happy to be available. Well, that's our show. I hope you found it useful and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get future episodes. Also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all really helps us out. Last but not least, don't forget to visit VentureFiz.com, the most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.